In today's episode of Everything Bootcamp, my guest is Amy Connell, based in Texas in the US. We're talking about pivoting your fitness business during the pandemic. We also talk about when is it the right time to stop running classes? You know, when does adversity become a sign that it's time to stop? We also talk about writing a book from scratch and publishing it, if that's something you've been interested in doing, and the different forms a career in fitness can look like. Yes, it's training people, but the fitness industry is vast and there's many ways we can help people. All right, looking forward to sharing this recording with you. Here it is. Hello and welcome to Everything Bootcamp. Today, my guest is Amy Connell. Amy is a mom of 18 years, fitness professional of 16 years, and owner of Graced Health. There, she offers various health and fitness options, which we'll talk more about later, plus a podcast of the same name, which we'll also talk more. We connected last year when Amy invited me on her podcast uh, of the same name, Graced Health. I already mentioned that. We talked about community and fitness, especially during the pandemic. So today I'm very excited to have Amy on my show to be able to talk about similar topics, but also different ways that you can like create fitness uh, communities online. So Amy, welcome. Thank you, Kyle. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I can't believe that it's been over a year since we connected last. So thank, I'm glad we're here. Yeah, this I thought last year's time was weird. This year's time is weirder, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a different kind of weird for sure. Yeah. So I've been enjoying starting off these podcasts with a question. And so I want you to cast your mind back to, if you can remember, your first group fitness session that you attended as a participant. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. I'm trying not to laugh too loud. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> Are you wanting me to go back and explain it Yeah, tell it to me you? about it. Yeah, tell me all. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So I grew up dancing and I was involved in all things dance. Um, so this is definitely going to date me, which I don't have a problem uh, saying how old I am. But in it was probably 1992. And one of the members of my dance team and I decided we wanted to go to a step aerobics class at our local gym. So in, in keeping in uh, check of the fat, of the uh, fashion, the fitness fashion, those words came together really <laughs> poorly. <laughs> the fitness fashion, I showed up and I still remember what I was wearing. It was a royal blue, shiny blue thong leotard and biker, black biker pants with this like a three inch stretchy band. Uh, of course, as a, you know, I remember what I wear more than anything, but it was a step aerobics class. And it was really fun because if anyone has ever participated in that, they know how rhythmic it is and remembering the steps and you really get to utilize a lot of that, um, a lot of the elements that I had uh, done all of my life. And it was, it was so fun. I actually ended up teaching it. It would kind of when it was on the tail end of being in, in fitness gyms, but, uh, it was, I loved it. It was so fun. So fun. 
But I'm That's glad awesome. I'm not wearing that blue thong leotard anymore. I'll just say that. <laughs> I know. I'm waiting for that that to come back in. Oh, God, <laughs> no. You know how the fashions, they're yeah. like cyclical. But, yeah, that's one that hasn't quite come back in, has it, since mm. the 80s, mm. I guess. Yeah, we need to just kind of yeah, keep that one, 90s. keep that one in the back of the drawer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So that. That sounds like that, yeah, gave you the, a bit of the bug for teaching group fitness, being in that experience, the music. Yeah, it was just something I think that the group fitness environment I loved. Uh, have you read the book, uh, The Joy of Movement by Dr. Kelly McGonigal? No, I haven't. Oh, you would love it. It yeah. is fantastic. But one of the things that she really highlights in there is just the psychology and the empowerment and uh, all of the wonderful things that happen in a group fitness atmosphere. And uh -huh. when I went to college, that was how I continued to move. I mean, some girls would go out and run and some girls would run to the bars. I don't know, but I was, I loved going into the group fitness rooms and that was really my, that's always been my preferred, uh, way of movement. So yeah, I was, I mean, in my early twenties I was doing it. And then once my youngest son was born, uh, we had lived in one city, we moved to a new city and I started a program in my neighborhood where it was like a mommy and me. So it was a place that I could go and actually bring my child and work out and yep. uh, create a community with that. So that's kind of how I got into being a fitness professional as I saw a need in my young family community and uh, just decided, well, if it's not here, I want to go ahead. I want to start this because I knew how instrumental it was in my first one. So that's kind of how I moved into it. But yeah, group fitness has been a huge part of my story as someone who just enjoys moving and enjoys working out. Yeah. That's awesome. So let's fast forward a bit then to the start of 2020. So pre COVID, you know, it was then just a small blip on the news. <laughs> so <laughs> Like what were you yeah 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 it was happening in some you know over overseas yeah we weren't thinking too much about it uh what did what was your business looking like then like what kind of classes were you running at that point and what else were you offering with your business i did a hybrid of um of fitness type things so i did personal training and that was primarily in person Mm -hmm. And then I also did group fitness classes outside and which is really where I got connected with you because I did, um, I sub, you know, was a subscriber of the bootcamp ideas. I led classes and they were mostly for like women in their thirties or I'm sorry, like 35 to 55. Okay. And we would go outside the community that I live in. Now keep in mind, I live in Texas and you know, everything's bigger in Texas. And uh, <laughs> I'm really fortunate to have access to some multi-purpose fields out here, which by multi-purpose, I mean that it's like a turf field. And depending on what sport is on it, it's either um, American football, it's um, American soccer or, you know, yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> lacrosse. Uh, what else do they have out there? And they just have markings for everything. But it's, it's yeah. that standard like 100 meter um, distance. And I don't even yep. know what the width is. So, um, and that was a really great place to go because I didn't have to worry about wet grass, which is always a problem here. And it's just, I mean, it's, 
you know, that was just a really fortunate aspect of, of my business. So when COVID hit in March, of course, we shut everything down for a while. And then when the business entity that was running those fields felt like it was safe to open, I reopened. And not only did I hold my uh, women's, my grown women's classes, and that by that time, it was probably uh, mid June or July, early July of 2020. Um, I also saw a need with some of the local high school uh, female athletes, because particularly the volleyball. So I actually hosted some fitness and conditioning classes for those uh, female or, you know, for the teen athletes playing Mm -hmm. volleyball because their clubs were shut down. Um, And when I say club, I mean like the, you know, the the select organizations or the small groups. And so they weren't moving around and they weren't going to competitions or um, anything like that. And so I held fitness and conditioning classes for them just to help number one, keep them conditioned. And number two, what really I enjoyed doing was teaching them ways that they could strengthen and protect their body as they were doing the sport that they loved. So teaching them about, um, you know, strengthening their gluteus medius and their gluteus minimus and, you know, all of these small things that, that when you're 16 years old, you don't care about so much. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you just want to jump higher. But then I was like, well, this is why you need to strengthen it. So I moved into that. And then in, September, which was kind of when school started back up for us here, yeah. uh, it was a it was a weird hybrid situation with our school district, and I just didn't feel like my community of moms could commit to um, showing up at the same time that they normally do because some right. of them had kids at home, some of them didn't, yeah. some of them they could leave at home. So, I mean, it was just it was like you know what that's fine. hybrid. Sorry, Amy, by hybrid you're talking about online and face-to-face learning for kids exactly. at school. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Clear that up. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. And then at the same time, my costs went up because all of a sudden everybody was wanting to use these fabulous multi-purpose fields. Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. So my cost actually doubled and wow. uh, because they increased the rates and then they put a two-hour minimum on it, even though I only needed it for 45 minutes. So I... Um, I just said, you know what, I need to do this or I, I'm going to pause it for now. And I also really wanted to focus on this book project that I was working on. And I have not yet gone back to um, group fitness with my women's. I did over the summer, I did the volleyball again and I did just general teen fitness again, but I haven't gone back to like that core group that I uh, really that I really loved. It just hasn't quite made enough business sense for me to do that. Yeah. What was that like? Cause I can, I've definitely come across other trainers being in some similar situations where rent prices get to the point where they're not really making any, you know, they're sort of breaking even, but, and the thing that usually keeps them going is their clients. So what was that like sort of with these clients who trained with you for a while, like, having to let go of that, like that would have been a tough decision. Yeah, it really was. And honestly, Kyle, when I told them that, Hey, look, I've just got to pause this. I, I felt like I betrayed them. Mm. I could just see it on their faces. Like, but they didn't say this because they're too kind and gracious, (laughs) but it was kind of like, but we're a community and, and now you're leaving us. And so, yeah, I felt really, really badly about that. Um, I will say I have 
definitely stayed in touch with a lot of the clients. I mean, we'll go walk. I, To me, walking is one of the best ways that I have found to connect with my friends, regardless of wh- if they mm. were clients or not. And so we'll get together and we'll go walk or every now and then we'll um, get together for lunch or maybe a happy hour or something like that. But yeah, that was, that was hard. That was definitely hard. But it had just gotten to the point that I was almost paying to to run those classes. And I also knew that I could, um, that I could make more money. I mean, if it was just a, I did, it wasn't a purely financial and business decision, but I knew that I could make more money, uh, doing virtual training out of my home Mm. because that, that cost was, was relatively low. And then the other thing that you really can't put a price on is your time. Mm. And I needed time. I needed time to be creative with my writing. It was, this has been a two year project and I needed time to focus on that. And it was just the right thing to do, but it it was still the hard thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that's the, the tricky element. That's usually the advice I give trainers in that situation is it's going to be a tough conversation, but you can't, how long can you, can you sustain yeah, either running at a loss or like running for cost. Like at what point are you going to start getting bitter and feel resentful? And then that's not helpful for anyone. So you need to find a way to, to change things up. And for you, I guess, yeah, you mentioned, we can talk more about that now that you had this sort of project in the background that you're working on. And I've spoken to quite a few authors and, you know, taking on a book sounds <laughs> it's yeah it's not something you can kind of like i mean i guess some people do them sort of half half but yeah it, it is something that requires a lot of your attention doesn't it and kind of a, a grit and determination <laughs> yes yes to all of that <laughs> i there are a lot of different ways of approaching a book and even though i am self-publishing this one I really wanted it to be uh, some of my legacy. This is obviously fitness and health related stuff is not the only part of who I am. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm more multifaceted than I probably portray myself to be online, but this was important to me to get it right and really to kind of step into the next phase of education for not only, um, you know, women and uh, potentially teens, but also I think it's good for other fitness professionals to hear maybe what kind of language are we using around our clients. And by language, I don't mean like cursing or F-bombs or anything like that, but just what kind of messaging are we giving them unintentionally? Mm -hmm. Um, I know shame is a big word to you as as it is to me and, you know, unintentionally creating shame if, you know, we're talking about rock hard abs or something like that. Uh, but yeah, the book, the book was a, a huge project. Uh, I have a feeling that when I get to my next one, I may not be as neurotic about it as I've been with this <laughs> one <laughs> because this one being my first, I'm just really throwing everything I have into it Yeah, and it's been worth it. It's, it's a beautiful book. And I can say that because I did not design the outside and I did not design the inside, but it's a, it's a gorgeous book. I'm really proud of it, but it was something that was important to me to leave a mark and to create a ripple of 
a different way of thinking about our health and our body. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, I've got a question for you. And then I'd love to ask you a bit more about the process that you sort of took of taking on writing a book because it's huge. So like whenever, you know, someone else I like following, talk about shame, I love following Brene Brown. Someone else I like following for business stuff is Seth Godin. I mean, in his videos, he's always got like these like, you know, these Ikea shelves of just like books, um, you know, just stacked. There's just like hundreds of books. And he talked in one of his videos about how like the reason he has that is because the reason he loves books is because each one is like an idea. It's an idea that someone's had. And idea in a conversation is fleeting. You know, you have it. But either person might remember it, it passes on. But, you know, in 20 years, that idea is gone. But a book like immortalizes that idea so that someone 20 years, 50 years, 100 years from now can go and read that book and read about this idea that you had and it can still be shared with the world. So what idea is it that you're, you feel like you're trying to share with your book? That's a great question. And I have not heard him say that, but I completely agree. Um, the idea of my book is all of these health and I'm using quotes, no one can see them, but I'm using air quotes, (laughs) health rules, or maybe some might say myths that people hear and feel like they have to abide by. um, And then they feel, they feel shame. They feel Mm -hmm. like whatever they're doing is not enough because they're not doing all of the things that the, that the motivating uh, fitness professional might be telling them or, or things that they've heard, or there's headlines that come across on your newsfeed or on Buzzsprout or social media or something like that. So it really takes all of these health quote rules and debunks Mm -hmm. them using exercise science, using nutrition science. And then I do that um, through, a lens of my faith as well. So there's absolutely hard science in there. I think I say, you know, this is not a compilation of my woo-woo thoughts. Like these are, (laughs) (laughs) this is real stuff that I think somewhere along the way, it has just gotten either, um, it's kind of like that telephone game. I don't know if you have that in Australia, but in the States we would grow up and someone would say something in some one person's ear and then and they would like whisper it and then they would whisper it to yeah. the next person. And then the, they would whisper it to the next person. By the time it got around a circle, it was totally muddy, you know, just total jumble. And so I think sometimes that's what, that's what happens with, uh, with the health industry, with, uh, with diet culture. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's, there are also things that we create in our head. So for example, some of the chapters that I have in the book are, um, no pain, no gain. Hmm. And, I know maybe the original intent of that is like, oh, you want to be sore tomorrow, but people start to thinking, oh yeah, pain is a badge of honor. Oh, well, I'm hurting here. I'm, I'm, I'm hobbling because I did burpees all the way around a 400 meter track or, you know, or something like that. Pain is not good. Yeah. Pain, <laughs> pain is, is a warning. Is your body saying stop and not. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then things like carbs are the enemy. And I know that there's a lot of different ways that people feel best with eating, but in general, carbs are not the enemy and the right kinds of carbs can fuel your, fuel your brain well, (laughs) fuel your body well, and just things that like that, that have been trickled down and whispered from person to person to person. And I don't think that uh, the way that people are grasping onto them and trying to incorporate them into their life is really the, what was in 
intended with that mm. in the first place, mm-hmm. if that was even a real thing. Yeah. And then of course, as a woman who, um, you know, in, in my mid forties who grew up with a lot of body image issues, I talk a lot about body image and, and why we think we need to look a certain way. And, um, and you know, there is no, you know, the perfect body and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds awesome. And well, well needed. Uh, I know even working with my own clients, I would often <laughs> sort of unpack a lot of that with people when they come into class and be like, oh, da, da, da. You'd be like, uh, no, like I remember there was this crazy diet going around for a while where you only ate like meat for the first two weeks. And like the guy who created it ended up getting like charged. Um, and then you ate like meat and a, and a tablespoon of oats a day. And then you basically decided like, reintroducing foods and it's like actually there's a lot of data that shows that elimination diets don't work long term and everyone would be like because they're not eating carbs for two weeks they're like dropping all this weight because it's just like inflammation and water and stuff like that and like this works so good but then not many people even made it through those first two weeks because it was so extreme and then they just you go back and then every time you do that yeah it builds like i think you're talking about it builds that language in your head isn't it doesn't it that you're a failure that you can't lose weight that you can't keep it off and then and then that feeds into the yeah the cycle of of yeah just nastiness yeah yeah oh well it's if it's not going to work then why bother or if it didn't work last time i'm not going to try i mean there's a whole lot of really negative self-talk that can get in get into that and mm. and i completely agree yeah i dig into one of those i think that chapter title is called there's one best diet and it yeah. gets into you know, like uh, no cool. actually you know what's research backed what is uh, realistic what's sustainable like let's really think about what we can do uh, before we just blindly accept whatever the uh, quote latest and greatest <laughs> diet plan is that someone mm-hmm. is trying to profit off of mm-hmm. So for other trainers out there who might be like, oh yeah, I've been kind of wanting to write a book, but I'm not really sure. Like in like three minutes, <laughs> so like the short version, because obviously we could talk about this for a long time. What was kind of like your process for writing the book? What was like the most, or maybe what was like the most important thing for you that helped you go from, I've got an idea from a book for a book to now you've, have you, you've finished the it's, it's actually, so it's I have in oh my, my God, you're hand, holding it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm holding body. it up. It's, it's the, yeah, worthy, but it's, um, it's the author proof. So you can see Kyle, you can see this uh, little yeah. line that goes across that yeah. says not for resale. So I've got the real ones coming very soon, oh my but gosh. by the time this comes out, it will be out on Amazon. Um, boy, I tell you, I think the number one thing that I can recommend for someone who is wanting to write a book is to write. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of ideas coming around our head. And really what I did, I mean, I wrote most of this, I wrote during COVID and uh, during lockdown and shutdown. And I made a goal of writing 500 words a day, four times a week. So that equates to 2000 words. And if the general book, I think this book is like 64,000 words, but if the you know the average size book is fifty to fifty five thousand um, words a minute, and my finance degree would tell you that I could do that in my head really quickly, and I'm having a hard time for <laughs> twenty five weeks. You know, twenty five to thirty weeks, then you could get a first draft of your book done. Yeah, but there's a lot of things that go 
um, go along in our head. And so I would say when those come in, do not assume you will remember those ideas. So Mm. get a note in your phone, uh, get Evernote. That's a really great way of tracking. However, you can consistently track those, just, just the idea, just five or six words to remember what you're remember that jumping off point and then schedule in the however long it takes you to write 500 words for me I could normally get them done in about 30 minutes so it's not like I'm sitting at my computer all day long yeah yeah it's just downloading a whole bunch of gargly gook that (laughs) doesn't make sense it's all crap when it first comes out but then you can go back and then that's when you start massaging it and self-editing and making things work but i would say yeah number one you know take take note of your um of your ideas when they come and and schedule in time to write yeah at least four times a week if not five awesome that yeah that sounds you know very achievable it's really about that it's like what we teach our clients with exercise and it's consistency you just got to keep showing up (laughs) yeah well and it's also training your brain and it's training that that Mm. that writing muscle i mean just like we can't expect to go drop down and do 200 push-ups if we haven't been doing push-ups at all no you start off with maybe five and then the next week maybe you do 10 you know a day or something like that so yeah it's i mean it's the same concept from the fitness perspective is training your writing muscle and just getting it in consistently yeah love that thank you all right are you ready for the rapid fire round i am all right so first question and if yeah like i've got these so if you forget let me know what are the top three things you do each week that you found help your business grow well, the first thing I already mentioned, which is I schedule in, well, it kind of goes along with what I talked about. I schedule mm-hmm. in my to-do list. So if I know that I need to uh, prep a podcast episode and edit and do the socials and all of that kind of stuff, I know that in general, that takes about six hours per episode for me to do. So mm-hmm. I will schedule that in throughout the week to get something like that done. Um, I also stay, I try, (laughs) not always great, but I try to stay focused on, um, by remembering my why and, uh, who I'm there to serve because there are a lot of shiny objects. I have learned over the last couple years that I am more of a visionary than I ever thought I was. So I'll come up with a lot of really great ideas, but there's no way that I can get them done. And I, I have Mm. to stay, I've got to stay in my lane and finish the task at hand. Otherwise, nothing is going to be good. And I'm just going to have a whole lot of open-ended <laughs> projects out there. And, you know, and the lanes, we can change lanes, right? And we can take new new highways or, or roads or something like that. I mean, if we're going to stay on with this terrible analogy, but, but just kind of staying focused and staying between the lines, I think has been really uh, helpful for me. And, th- and that's honestly, I mean, that's how I was able to get this book done. Yeah, I, I know then, that feeling well as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other thing too, on a more practical level, is I do invest in some tools that help me save money or save time. Uh, they cost money, but they save time. So, like, mm-hmm. I schedule um, 
I try, I'm not, I haven't been great at this lately, but I try to schedule all of my social media uh, mm-hmm. through, I use later, there's buffer is one, there's yeah. uh, co-schedule, there's all kinds of different ones, but I schedule those a, a month in advance or at a minimum yeah, wow. a week in advance. So yeah. that way it's all done. Cause I love engaging and talking to people online and I really hate putting content out there, which <laughs> I probably shouldn't admit, but it's just, it's really hard for me oh, no, <laughs> to be able admit. to. So you, you like batch that, try and do that in one go. Yes. You, yes. Yeah. And I have a rhythm of what I, where I know I want to serve and where my community feels served. So I'll do a fitness related one. I'll do a mindset related one, a food related one, a faith related yeah, cool. one. And, and that way it, it at least starts to kind of narrow it down. And then I do things like, um, I use Buzzsprout as my podcasting provider and, uh, they have some great tools like, um, magic mastering. So when I upload it there, I pay an extra like four bucks a month. I mean, it's relatively inexpensive and they make sure that the audio is really good, which okay. you can do that for free on Auphonic, but it, the whole process takes like an hour, even though you're not sitting there. So just little things like that to me are worth the time to do it because yeah, that way absolutely. I can stay focused on what I'm doing. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. And thanks for some specific tools there. All right. Next question. What is your favorite song or perhaps band to work out to? Well, a lot of it really depends on what I'm doing. I mean, if I'm doing a mobility or a yoga, (laughs) that's very different than getting out (laughs) there and doing box jumps. But I kind of feel like you can never go wrong with something like Imagine Dragons Radio on Spotify, for me at least, that normally will give me some good quality stuff. Uh Um, And then the other thing, one of the resources, so this book that I wrote, almost every chapter has a resource in the back. So some of them are recipes or some of them are journal prompts and reflections. And then I have a lot of workout stuff. In addition um, to all of that, one of the one of the resources is a walking playlist because one of the chapter titles, which is a rule to break, is walking isn't worth my time. So mm. I created a playlist on Spotify called Your Worthy Body, which is the name of the book. So Your Worthy Body Walks. And it's kind of just a curated list of all of my favorite <laughs> songs that I like to move to. So Honestly, I mean, it, it sounds somewhat narcissistic, but it's not meant to be. But I really enjoy just pulling that up and I'll just listen to that whenever I'm working out because I know that I'm going to like the songs. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And next up, because especially because we've talked a lot about, you know, the pandemic and how it's, it's been very disruptive to all of our careers. I feel like a lot of trainers at a cusp of like they've probably use this time to get clear about what they want to do next. So where would you like to head next with your business or career? Yeah, it's been a great opportunity to really reflect and figure out what's important to me and what am I, what am I the most passionate about? What I have discovered about myself is I'm really passionate about education. So I would love to, um, get into speaking more in a couple different realms. One is, you know, I mentioned I've kind of have a faith-based element to this. So I would love to get into more churches where there's either women's groups or mom and daughter groups, because what I'm learning is that is teen girls will listen to me because I'm not mom. I'm saying the exact same thing that mom is saying, but I'm not mom. So they'll listen to me. And uh, it's particularly with regard to body image stuff and, and, you know, what Mm. to eat and all of that kind of stuff. So that's one area where I'd like to get into. Um, I would like to, 
I, w- I don't know how to do this quite yet, but somehow get into the education of, of young female athletes and uh, protecting themselves from injury. And, you know, I, I'm not necessarily like a sport specific, but just here's how you can feel your body well. And, um, you know, if you've got a double header or a lot of games, then, you know, maybe let's not eat um, McDonald's on the way to a game, you know, something like mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. And then the other thing too, which is more of a pipe dream, but I'll just go ahead and put it out there in the universe is I would, I would love to spend some time, um, talking to other fitness professionals and, and really working on reframing the mindset of, of why we exercise and how to support, uh, their participants, their clients, mm-hmm. particularly those who are over 40, because th- that I, all I can speak of for is over 40 women. Cause that's kind of more my specialty, but the, it's just a different mentality than the 25 year old. Um, you know, they, they are fantastic and they can do a lot and there's nothing wrong with them, but it's, it's a different mentality. Mm-hmm. And I think in order to serve your clients best, you kind of need to have a, a deeper understanding of what's important to them. And it's not always how they look and how, how and the size of their body. Yeah, I think that's so important. I'm thinking about a lot of the franchises that are fitness franchises that are taking off here and they're pretty much all targeting people sort of between 20 and 35. So yeah, I, I think that's such an important underserved population. And I, yeah, I, I would love to have you back again. That's been hitting <laughs> our time, but I'd love to have you back again, maybe just to talk about that, maybe even with like another couple of trainers who are, who are also working on this and we can do a bit of a round table. So yeah, people yeah want- that'd be fantastic. If people want to find out more about your book, can you give me the name again and the tagline? Absolutely. Uh, The title is Your Worthy Body, and the subtitle is Find Freedom and Health by Breaking All the Rules. (laughs) it's on amazon yeah so you can just type in your worthy body um amy connell at c-o-n-n-e-l-l interweb i call um i go by the name of graced health it's g-r-a-c-e-d health because that's a huge part of my um my messaging is just incorporating grace and it doesn't have to be perfect into our health into our movement into our eating uh Mm. and i will have a link there of um, going out and purchasing it and then i can kyle i can also provide a link to you to um it put in the show notes and so people can just get down in the show notes and uh, if that would be helpful to you and just click on that and then go directly to to amazon yeah i'll add that in the show notes below Thank you so much, Amy. It was, uh, yeah, I can't believe it's been a year. It was so nice to connect with you and talk with you. And I feel like, yeah, we could have talked longer and definitely want to have you back again. I would love that. I love talking shop and it's really fun to be with like-minded people. So thank you for having me. You're welcome.